Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for the man that show hosts across the country have been raving about. What this guy move. has got to be one of the cockiest human beings on planet Earth. On Earth, I love him. I, I happen to like that guy, but who the hell does he think he is? I like that. Okay, maybe not Evan Cohen, but Mike Babchick has a weird obsession with him. That's why I like him, because he's he's hot! He's even caught the eye of Adam Shine. Joe Serralo, pride of St. Bonaventure. Woj has called him the future of the industry. If you're still not sold, well, take Adam's advice. If you don't believe me, ask Joe. He'll be the first one to tell you how great he is. Now, it's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with, you guessed it, Joe Sorallo. I might be too strong out on compliments, overdosed on confidence. Started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequence. Drinking every night because we drink to my accomplishments. Faded way too long, I'm floating in and out of consciousness. And they saying I'm back, I'd agree with that. I just take my time with all this shit, I still believe in that. I had someone tell me I fell off, ooh, I needed that. And they want to see me pick back up, well, where'd I leave it at? I know I exaggerated. Here we go, best damn show to get you ready for the weekend. Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, giving you an hour of sports talk, an hour of shit talk. My good buddy, Jarrett Bailey, contributor to Pro Football Network and Fan Sided, co-host of the Laces Out Pod, something you should definitely check out when you're done listening to this show. He's going to be joining me in a bit to talk about everything from rating dating apps to why he some way somehow thinks his Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win the AFC North. We're going to hear from the internet's most annoying man, Ben Shapiro, and my final word on why maybe if Ben Shapiro had a little more WAP in his life, he wouldn't be so fucking outraged by the song. And starting us off, the only way to start off this show, a question that I've been wrestling with for a few days now, whose shit list would you rather be on Joe Kelly or Dame Lillard? And that's a tough question, right? I mean, like you got Joe Kelly who is like prime candidate for premeditated murder, right? Like this guy is a loose fucking cannon. He is hilarious, easy to love. Also easy to love. Not so much because you like him, but because you fear him. I mean, Joe Kelly, like we've all kind of known, like, you know, he's been a loose cannon his whole baseball career, now really just honing it in 2020. I mean, shortened season, I guess, you know, you're playing 60 games, like, this is set up for the Dodgers to do well, coming off a long off season, coming off the Astros scandal, like, they weren't punished enough, and he's just, like, balls to the wall this year, does not give a shit. I mean, posted a video in the off season where he couldn't hit the side of a barn, like, quite literally couldn't hit the side of a barn with a baseball, and sent one through one of the windows in his house. You know, I don't know what he was doing posting that, coming into the season, like, oh, look, I have no control issues. Let me just put, like, three near the head of Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. I mean, like, the guy is a loose cannon. There's no way that you're going to convince me when he posted that video back in, I don't even know when this was, like, March or April, when he posted that video where he threw a ball, like, so far, like, that looked like Rick Ankeel 
when he was pitching in the playoffs like years ago for the St. Louis Cardinals, like sending the ball to the backstop on a fly. Like that's what Joe Kelly looked like in the offseason. And you have to be convinced that that was like a ploy. Like I'm going to look like this now, this way when we play the Astros, mind you, Joe Kelly was not on the 2017 Dodgers. Like this is just the perfect excuse for Joe Kelly to show his true colors, which, Hey, I'm not saying I don't like his true colors. You know what I mean? I'm, I fucking love Joe Kelly's true colors. Like, yeah, if you want to throw at Bregman and throw at Correa, go for it. What, what I think is the best part, though, is his like his recent remarks. So he's teammates with Ross Stripling, right? Pitcher for the Dodgers, starting pitcher. Uh, kind of a utility guy. He's pitched in the bullpen, has started when they need him to. Like, really impressive dude, Stripling. And Stripling's got a pod. And Kelly went on. And this is before, mind you, before his appeal uh, like while it was being processed before the five game suspension was handed out after his original eight gamer. And like, he went on Stripling's podcast and just flat out, like called the Astros, like a bunch of rats and, uh, said that they need to like grow a pair of balls. Said that they, uh, they screwed over guys like Cora and Beltron and AJ Hinch and the players got immunity for it. And that it was really the players running this all along, that it was more than Cora you know, Beltron obviously was a player at the time, but that it was the guys like Correa and Altuve and Bregman who deserved to be punished more so than Cora and Hinch and pretty much called them rats, told them grow a pair of balls, said that they snitch like little bitch. This had to be the best part of that interview. Joe Kelly saying, uh, and this is a quote, all they do is go snitch like a little bitch and they don't have to get fined. Like, yeah, is it the right thing to say, especially while the league is going over your appeal? No, probably not. Is it also spot on and fucking hilarious? Yes, it absolutely is. So like Joe Kelly, you know, as much as I love him right now, and I I think that if you don't love Joe Kelly right now, you are probably like the least fun person to be around out of your friend group. And I, I don't really think that's disputable. Like if you don't love Joe Kelly, you're probably the guy who goes out with your buddies on like a Saturday night at eight o'clock and calls it by 1030. Like, you're definitely, like, in bed before midnight on a Saturday if you don't like Joe Kelly. You definitely like Ben Shapiro if you don't like Joe. Like, I feel like that's that's the best way, because right? Because, like, they're both going to be, like, relevant to this show. Shapiro, like, going to hear from him in my final word. Uh, the disaster that was him reading the lyrics to WAP, uh, Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion's new song, Wet Ass Pussy. You're going to hear Ben Shapiro read the lyrics to that song in my final word here. I feel like those are two, like, pretty comp, like, you either are a big Joe Kelly guy, and you love fun, and you're like, yeah, let's fucking run through a brick wall right now, or you're a Ben Shapiro guy, and you don't like people, people don't like you, your life is miserable. Like, those seem like they pretty much go hand in hand there, Those like, the two opposites. If you're a Joe Kelly guy, like, you're the kind of guy who, from my college, was, like, out every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night like amped up ready to go if you're a ben shapiro guy you're definitely that kid who i lived across the hall from my junior year who had no friends because he wrote an op-ed article about why premarital sex is the devil that's that's pretty much if you don't like joe kelly like there's no middle ground here we're going to extremes like if you don't like joe kelly you should probably just admit that you're against premarital sex that's that's the conclusion we're coming up with here this week. If you don't like Joe Kelly, you don't like premarital sex, and you are the least fun person in your friend group, hands down. Now, 
as much as I love Joe Kelly, yes, part of me is only saying that because I don't want to be on his shit list because he's fucking psycho. But Dame Lillard, not in the same like psycho way as Joe Kelly. Dame Lillard's a guy who I wouldn't want to be on his bad side either, right? I mean, like you already saw what happened to Shaq when Shaq got on Dame Lillard's bad side. Like he bodied Shaq when he came out with Rain Rain Go Away. I think that was like in the fall. I don't know exactly when that was. That seems like a while ago. Like that was back on my radio show. All right, October 1st, that was released. Rain, rain, go away. Dame Lillard released it October 1st in response to Shaq, like right before the NBA season originally started. He bodied him. Like, you have to respect Dame Lillard. I mean, you don't have to like him. I love him. You don't have to. But, I mean, when he said to Shaq, gift bags get purchased every time you get horny, like, what? Like, do you want to be... I mean, it's one thing to, like, have a 98-mile-per-hour fastball thrown at your head. But to have, like, in a song, gift bags get purchased every time you get horny. Like, just expose. I mean, like, everyone's, like, had a fastball thrown at their head once in a while. It's like saying everyone, like, gets punched in the face once in a while. Like, we've all been there. You're dancing with a guy's ex-girlfriend. He doesn't know that she's his ex-girlfriend yet. And you get blindsided. Like, we've all been there. But bodied in a, in a song? I, I don't know. Like, that's, that's next level. And, I mean, Dame Lillard... The other night, looking Luka Doncic in the face, saying, put some fucking respect on my name after Portland edged out the Mavericks by three points. I mean, this is a guy who, like, always has something to prove, and that just might be more dangerous than a guy like Joe Kelly. Like, Kelly's a psycho, but he knows at the end of the day, like, he sometimes looks great, sometimes looks terrible. Like, he's a, I'd put him above average. Like, he's a good relief pitcher, right? And, like, he's embraced that role. And he knows, like, his pitching's not going to get him any headlines. So he loses his shit, and he'll go after, like, the whole Houston Astros team alone. And, and I respect that, because he knows that's his way to get in the headlines. Like, Dame Lillard's play could get him there, but that's not enough, because he's just chippy. Like, this is a guy, if you realistically think about it, he's probably been told his whole life he wasn't good enough, he wasn't big enough, he wasn't talented enough. Like, I mean, he went to Weber State. Like, do you, do you know where Weber State is? I think it's in... Washington I'm not like gonna lie I have to look that up right now I don't know where Weber State is I know they're in the big sky conference but okay they're in Utah Ogden like I there was no way I ever would have gotten that so like Dame Lillard goes plays college hoops in the big sky at Weber State takes them like proves that at the collegiate level like he can ball with the best of them enough that he was a sixth the sixth overall pick in 2012 by Portland and then it's like oh well like Portland, you know, people are saying, like, oh, they're higher on him than they should be because, like, they're out west, too. They got to see him play in college. Like, he's still too small. Like, he's not this. He's not that. Like, he's stuck. With, don't forget, like, that's also a pretty small market team. Like, he's stuck with them. He has taken them deep into, like, the playoffs, you know, middle rounds of the playoffs. Obviously, they're not, like, a conference championship team yet. But last year, what he did, like, pulling up in the face of Paul George in the postseason, hitting a shot from, like, 40 feet out. Like, the guy is, like, edgy. And you have to respect that. Dame Lillard, like, he looks me in the face and is like, put some fucking respect on my name. I'm going to be like, yes, sir. Because it's Dame Lillard. Like, Joe Kelly, like, won't chirp you like that. He'll just try to kill you. Whereas Dame Lillard, like, when he chirps you, he's like one of the few guys, like, don't, just don't chirp back. Just be like, all right, got it. I mean, this guy's come back, like, into the bubble. And the Blazers have one game left tonight against Brooklyn. In his first seven games, this guy's averaging 37 points per game. 37 like almost four like he just dropped back to back 50 pieces and 60 pieces he just went for 61 i know it's like 
this almost feels like exhibition basketball, what we're watching in the bubble. A lot of teams aren't playing defense. Like, you had, like, I don't know who it was, like, Houston-Dallas, like, was in, like, the 160s to 150s. Like, I mean, yeah, the quality of basketball is not great right now. But if you look at Lillard, like, he's playing for it all, right? Because the Blazers still haven't clinched a playoff spot. They're in that, like, weird three, three-way race with Phoenix and Memphis for the 8-9 playing games this weekend. So, like, maybe teams like the Lakers aren't taking this too seriously. I don't know. They're 3-4. and four. They've sucked so far. But a guy like Lillard, like, he is playing for his life every night. And he's going out there and absolutely dominating. Like, him and Devin Booker are unquestionably, like, the MVPs of bubble basketball. Like, these two guys are going out there. The Suns are 7-0. and The Blazers are probably, like, 5-2, and two, I want to say. Won four out of their last five, though, Portland. I mean, these guys are going out there and just, like, every night playing like their life is on the line, which it kind of is. I mean, like, Lillard even admitted the Blazers had next to no chance at making the playoffs coming into this. Lillard was the one who said, and got criticized by uh, by ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, he was the one who said, you know, it's not worth the health risk to go in the middle of COVID and go play basketball if his team doesn't have a shot at making the playoffs. And, you know, even though, like, it wasn't the best thing to say, just kind of like how Joe Kelly, like, calling the Astros like a bunch of snitching bitches probably isn't the best thing to say. Can you really blame Lillard for saying that? Because I feel like he's kind of spot on. Like, it's not like, you know, it's a team sport and it's, you know, we never want to teach our kids to just bail when things don't look like they're going to go in their favor and all that crap. But at the end of the day, can you really blame Dame Lillard for being like, if we don't have a shot at making the playoffs, why would I just want to pick up and go to a bubble in Orlando for two weeks so I can play basketball for two weeks and get nothing out of it. Like it makes perfect sense. And he's just one of those guys. Like, I'm sorry. I don't want to get on his bad side. Like, I don't need him calling me out in in his next rap song and pretty much being like Kobe won you all your rings with the Lakers. Uh, what was the line he had about, uh, Wade and about when Shaq won it in Miami against Dallas in like the mid two thousands. Yeah. Kind of like the Cavs ain't really need diesel's ass even in Miami, won that on the strength of flesh. Like, just right there saying, like, telling Shaq pretty much, you've been the number two guy your whole life. Like, the Magic had money, but got rid of you because they wanted Penny. The Lakers, that was all Kobe. The Cavs didn't want you. LeBron didn't want you. He's the best of all time. And D-Wade won you that championship in Miami. So, pretty much, keep your fat ass on TNT. Like, that was essentially, in, in three minutes, what he told Shaq. No one wants you. You've always been the sidekick. And do I agree with that? Hell no. Truthfully, I mean, look, like, I love Kobe Bryant and all, and, like, I miss him terribly. I will argue, though, objectively speaking, that Shaq was the best player on those Laker teams. Was the most dominant. I mean, just because, like, no one could keep up with Shaq. Like, Kobe was incredible, like, at the time, top five player in the NBA. But Shaq, in terms of sheer dominance, like, you were not keeping up with Shaq. So do I agree with what Dame Lillard's saying? Like bashing Shaq in his career, saying he's always the sidekick? No, I don't agree at all. Is it badass? 1,000%. And I mean, for that reason, like I kind of have to say, I'd rather be on Joe Kelly's shit list. You know, you're going to get hit in your life. You're going to get like projectile objects thrown at you at 100 miles per hour sometimes. Like that's all part of life. Like Kelly's just like, he's just another lunatic, right? But Dame Lillard, like he'll get at you. And then like almost a year later, Bam, you can still go find that dirt. Like, everyone's going to forget about this Joe Kelly stuff eventually. But, like, when you're in a song, when you get, like, verbally assaulted in a song, that's the kind of shit that, like, scars you. So, yeah, at the end of the day, like, not that I really want to 
get on either of these guys' bad side. But I got to say, if I could choose whose shit list I wouldn't want to be on more, it's Dame Dollar. We'll be back. Jarrett Bailey, my buddy, joining the show. Catch his work on Fanside at Pro Football Network, The Laces Out Pod, another great show. He joins us when we return here on Sorallo Sports Talk. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Here on Sorallo Sports Talk, it's me, Joe Sorallo. Joining me now, NFL contributor to Pro Football Network and Fansided, co-host of the Laces Out Pod, it's Jarrett Bailey. Jarrett, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, what's up, buddy? Good to be here. Great to have you on. I uh, can't wait to start ripping apart your way-too-early playoff predictions. Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to be in a little bit of, li- of a line right now just because Titans Twitter and 49ers Twitter came from my throat for the past week, so... Uh, you know, it's always fun to do just to, you know, get engaged with people on Twitter. But uh, like I said before, I mean, everybody turns into an analyst and, you know, swears their team's going to go 13 and three and tells me how it's going to happen. And it's just funny to me. You know, I love doing stuff like this. So and it's, uh, it's even greater when I, you know, show them I was right. And, you know, we move on. You know what? It gets you clicks. It pisses people off. What else? Could it you does. Want in life? Exactly. Before we get into that, though, some breaking news. Just about 10 minutes ago, George Kittle and the 49ers finalizing a five-year, $75 million extension. What do you make of that contract? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that everybody sort, somewhat saw coming. Um, you, know, you can argue that he's the best tight end in the league. You know, it kind of goes back and forth between him and Travis Kelsey. Some argue Zach Ertz as well. I think the overwhelming consensus, though, is that he's probably the best in the league right now. Um, you know, great in receiving is underrated blocker as well. So he is one of the things that really, he's one of the catalysts of that offense. They, they very much need him if they want to make another run at a Super Bowl. Uh, he's very, very well earned $15 million a year for a tight end. That's going to, I mean, we talked about that before the show that blows Austin Hooper's deal out of the water. So yeah. it, it'll set a precedent for Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz going forward. We'll see how their contracts play out, but yeah, it's well earned. Um, he's, he's the go-to target in that offense. Um, very reliable in the run game in terms of blocking. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they wanted to get that deal done. Yeah. yeah, And it doesn't surprise me either. Now, look, if you ask me if George Kittle's deserving of that kind of money, I'm going to say, absolutely. I mean, right. The guy is one of the best receivers, not just tight ends, one of the best receivers in football, one of the best blockers in football. I think he's totally deserving, but that jump from Hooper's 10 and a half mil to 15 mil now, did that surprise you? All well, guys have been hovering around nine mil, ten mil. Yeah, I think so. Just because I mean, we look at Jimmy Garoppolo's deal when he signed. I mean, he signed five for one thirty-seven, and that was you know the big deal at the time for quarterbacks for a guy who started five games for the team. So um, it's interesting to see, but you know, you look at their defense. Their defense is really young. They're not really paying anybody on that defense right now. Their offensive line is very young. They're not really paying anybody on the offensive line right now, other than Trent Williams, who they just traded for. 
Um, so, I mean, they've got money to spend. The only two big contracts right now are Jimmy Garoppolo and now George Kittle. The rest of the defense, they're on their rookie deals for the most part. Nick Bosa is still on his rookie deal. Arik Armstead isn't expensive. Um, you know, they just drafted, I think, Ken Law to replace DeForest Bugner, who they traded to Indianapolis. Secondary Richard Sherman's on a somewhat friendly team deal just because of, you know, he is a little bit older. So they've got money to, to spend and uh, I guess they, they wanted to make sure that George Kittle was a 49er for his prime and for the foreseeable future. So um, it, it did surprise me, though, a little bit just because, you know, you know, Hooper's deal was hovering around 10 and then, you know, $5 million more than that. That does surprise me. But if anybody's worth it, it's him. No, absolutely. I mean, by far the best player on that offense was what we saw last year from San Fran, an absolute fluke. I, I know. And, you know, we'll get into your playoff predictions. You've got Seattle right. winning the division. And mm -hmm. I agree with you 10,000% on that. Do you mm -hmm. think San Fran is a Super Bowl team or did they get hot last year and will they show their true colors this season? Uh, you know, and this is what 49ers Twitter was saying to me. You know, they're saying that I, I have them, you know, falling off a cliff. I have them as a 10-win playoff team. Like, I don't see how that's falling off a cliff. You know, I have Seattle winning the division. They were three feet from winning the division last year. Yeah. Um, it, it just didn't happen. Um, I'm not the biggest Garoppolo fan. I think if he weren't, you know, sexy and played in New England, we wouldn't give a damn about him. Um, and if he wasn't trying to Mac Aaron Andrews post game, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, there's more of a lure about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo than is, you know, more deserved. Like I said, if he wasn't handsome and played under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for a while, we, we wouldn't care. If he came over from Arizona, you know, I think yeah. that we would understand that he's, He's a starting quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. You know, his numbers looked really good last year, but also they had a very good run game. They had the, arguably the best defense in football to fall back on. And I think that, you know, Kyle Shanahan's play calling kind of shows how he feels about Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of his ability to win games. He threw eight passes in a playoff game. I think that says all we need to know about him. I think he's a starting quarterback. I don't think he's elite by any means. He probably hover somewhere between the 12th and 15th best quarterback in the game. Um, but in terms of San Francisco as a whole, I love their defense. Um, offensively, it's uh, it's run and defense for them. I mean, it's pretty old school for what they do. I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy who's going to get them back there. I think that that was a very good run. I think it's going to be somewhat similar to – I don't want to say the, the Rams because I think the Rams aren't going to be very good. But, you know, 10 wins and a playoff berth, I still think that's fine. I just like Seattle a lot this year. Jared Bailey with us, co-host of the Laces Out Pod. If you want, give him a follow on Twitter at NFL. Now, Jared, you love to talk about the people on Twitter that come after you as to why their team's going to be 13-3, and three, win the division, win the Super Bowl. Right. You kind of did the same shit with your Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, <laughs> what's your logic behind Pittsburgh winning the division? Baltimore is coming off a 14-2 and two season where they rattled off 12 straight wins after a 2-2 two and two start. What's your logic behind Pittsburgh winning the division? Is it the defense? Is it the return of Ben? Where the hell are you coming from there? All of the above there. I mean, they went, they were eight and five before losing their final three with, you know, a duck and Mason Rudolph at quarterback for the majority of the year. And, you know, people ask me that too, you know, you see, you really think Ben's going to be the old Ben. Ben doesn't have to be the old Ben. His standard right now is a little bit over 3000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He's anything better than that. That was the combined numbers of Duck. Hodges and Mason Rudolph last year he's anything better than that they're a playoff team you know and you look at that defense Mika Fitzpatrick is uh, I can't thank Miami enough for sending Mika Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh because he absolutely transformed that defense this is the best defense they've had since their Super Bowl run 
in uh, Super Bowl 43. Um, you look at the front seven, they bring back Bud Dupree on the franchise tag, TJ Watt opposite of him. They combined for the second most sacks by a duo in Steeler history last year, second to only Lamar Woodley and James Harrison in that 2008 season. Uh, Cam Hayward is going to be probably moved more to a nose tackle position because Stephon Tewitt is coming back. They missed him a lot last year. If Stephon Tewitt was on that defense last year, he suffered a pec muscle that required season-ending surgery. He's coming back. I think that that just makes their edge rush that much better. Um, but offensively, um, you know, and you follow me on Twitter, you know, I've been very uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Non-forgiving toward Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. I've been very vocal that this is probably going to be – each of their final seasons in Pittsburgh, unless something, you know, crazy happens where they both ball out. Both of them, you um, think? Yeah, next year they will both be free agents. Um, if Pittsburgh decides, hey, you know, if Juju comes back and has 100 catches and 10 touchdowns, he'll come back. If James Conner has a big bounce back year, he'll probably come back. But, you know, if we see another season in which Juju is hurt a lot, is partying while he's hurt, has 43 catches on the year while Deontay Johnson's leading all rookies in receptions, They've got no reason to have to bring him back, especially because they just drafted Chase Claypool. They drafted Anthony McFarlane running back at a Maryland. The writing is on the wall. They're saying, look, either perform or we've got these guys here that can come in and replace you. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is a business. That's what they got to do. And you look at those receivers on offense. I love Deontay Johnson. He was an all-pro last year as a returner, led all rookies in receptions. If Juju has a nice bounce back year, great. If not, then they've got Chase Claypool, who's going to be – I cannot wait to see what they do with him, first of all. He's he, gonna, he is a he, physical specimen. I can't wait to see that guy ball out. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I, I think he's going to be more of their vertical threat, or they can even line him up, you know, in the slot and short yardage situations. They bring in Eric Ebron, which hasn't been talked about nearly enough. I don't know why no one is talking about Eric Ebron being a stealer right now. Um, offensive line still great. And, you know, UConn Cornelius Roethlisberger with the old big beard is going to come in. And, uh, look, they almost beat Baltimore in Pittsburgh last year. They intercepted Lamar Jackson three times. He had six interceptions all of last season. Half of them were against Pittsburgh. Um, and if not for a Juju Smith-Schuster fumble, which is kind of where my crusade against him began, uh, <laughs> if not for a fumble, he, they lose to Duck Hodges in overtime. Because if you remember that game, it goes to overtime. Mike Tomlin wins the coin toss and says, give the ball to Baltimore. I believe in my defense. Sure enough, three and out Baltimore. Duck Hodges starts leading down the field. And then Marlon Humphrey punches the ball out of Juju Smith-Schuster's hand, and I weep. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, I love Pittsburgh. You know, their schedule is pretty favorable. They have the second easiest according to, you know, the – you know, last season's rankings run out. Baltimore has the easiest. I get that, but I like Pittsburgh a lot, man. And I know that I'm going to sound biased and that's fine. You know, everybody's biased. Don't let anybody ever tell you that they're not biased. They are. Everyone's biased. And I'm not afraid to admit that. No, um, that, that's fair. It's the reason every year I say the Mets are going to win the NL East. And then I watch there you the go. Yeah. Every single it, exactly. So I, I'm not denying how good Lamar is, but in terms of, we haven't seen him in terms of clutchness have to come back, you know, a minute and a half left down five. Can he pass you down the field and can he win a game? We haven't seen him have to do that yet. So what is more likely than the Ravens going 16 and 0 or the Steelers going seven and nine? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like, um, I think that they were both shit predictions on Coward's end, but he had Baltimore 16 yeah. and 0, Pittsburgh seven and nine. If one of those was to happen, I got to lean Pittsburgh. I don't know about you. I, I'd probably have to lean Pittsburgh, too, just because we don't necessarily know about Ben's arm. Obviously, I'm pretty optimistic about it because, you know, he's saying that he's lighter than he's been in 13 years, which is music to my ears. Uh, he said that his arm – well, he came out and said he probably should have had the surgery sooner, and he decided not to, so he feels great about that. But, I mean, we don't necessarily know. I mean, Juju could be a bum again. James Conner could be a bum again. 
you know, this could be, you know, Minka could have just been, you know, a shot in the dark and it worked. Uh, if, if one was more likely, yeah, Pittsburgh going seven and nine would be the more likely option. I don't get why anyone would think that they would go seven and nine after, you know, they had a eight Rudolph. And eight with duck. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Eight and eight with duck and Mason Rudolph. I don't, I don't see how anybody could really think that they're worse off with Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> so um, if I had to pick one, that's more likely, obviously I'm going to choose um, the seven and nine one, just because we've only had one team ever go 16 and zero, and we're not going to see that ever again. So I'll stay, I'll stay with the seven and nine, but neither of those will happen. That's fair. I want to flip to the NFC now because yeah. I don't know if this is also some like pencil. I know you're a Steeler fan, but could this be like Pennsylvania bias over here? The Eagles 13 and three. <laughs> I don't even have the Eagles as a playoff team this year. So please enlighten me. All right. So everybody just enjoys forgetting how incredible Carson Wentz is because oh, you sound like my guy, Dan Orlovsky right now. <laughs> I love, I love I Orlovsky, right? I've had Orlovsky on my show like maybe five times in the last three years. I, I can't get behind that call. I love Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> we, talk, we, we talk about Carson Wentz on Twitter a solid amount. Anytime I see him put something out, I'll tweet at him and we'll have a you know, small little talk about it. Because, you know, you remember 2017, he was going to be the MVP before tearing up his knee. For sure. Last year, Alshon Jeffrey gone, Deshaun Jackson gone, Zach Ertz is playing on one leg. He's got two rookies in the backfield because Jordan Howard was hurt. And he has, you know, practice squad guys and Greg Ward playing Aguilar receiver. Aguilar forgot how to catch. I mean, Nelson Aguilar can't catch. J.J. Arthago Whiteside can't catch. Um, and they go four and zero down the stretch. Carson Wentz doesn't turn the ball over. I I just don't get twenty seven touchdowns, seven picks for Carson Wentz when he's throwing to you and I at receiver. The defense couldn't stop anybody. They bring in Darius Slay um, to kind of plug up holes in the secondary. You know, that's not perfect by any means yet, but, you know, you look at their schedule. I'm not saying that they're going to be the best team, but they're going to have the easiest path to get into that first because their division's the weakest. The Giants are far away from being good. You know, they kind of whiffed on their coaching hire. Matt Rule wanted the Giants job. You know, I talked to Ben Albright about this yesterday. You know, that was a job that Matt Rule really wanted, and they whiff on it and try to, you know, get a Belichick disciple, and he goes to Carolina. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're a 5-11 and team at best. I think Washington's going to be good. I think they got the right guys in charge there, you know, with Ron Rivera to lead them into the right direction. I think they're still a year away, though. Um, and Dallas, um, you know, the signing of Everson Griffin, which we'll get into, will definitely make them a little bit better. But in the secondary, in terms of corner, I don't know what they're going to do there. I know that they got ha-ha at safety now. But in terms of cornerback, I mean, Byron Jones is in Miami now. Travis Frederick retires up front. So they're going to have to rely on Dak Prescott to win them some games, and he's not proven that he can do that yet. So, um I think that, you know, you look at, one, just Carson Wentz being incredible and so underrated. You know, I released an article a while ago where I said he's the fourth best quarterback in football. I stand by that. I'm fine with saying that. Behind uh, Pat, Russ, and – Behind Pat, Russ, and Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Lamar five. Okay. And then, Desha and and then Deshaun, Deshaun Watson was six. Yes. All right, because I was going to say my top five is take out Wentz, and then it's – I'd probably go Pat, Russ, Lamar, Deshaun, four, Rodgers, five. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of interchange those last few any way you want. I, I probably wouldn't argue with you. Um, but And I, I'd you put know, Breeze. I, so you have Wentz ahead of Breeze also? Drew Breeze. Oh, my God. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the greatest in the NFL throwing the six-yard slant. I'll give him that. He's incredible at doing that. Um, but in terms of his style, of, I mean, they very much rotate. They revolve around, you know, Alvin Kamara, short passes. They don't throw the ball downfield. 
I love Drew Brees. Don't get me wrong. He's a good quarterback. I think we very much overrate him at this stage of his career. He's probably the ninth or 10th best quarterback in the league right now. Oh, wow. And that's how I feel about Brady. Brees, I'll still put like top six, top seven, but Brady, I mm-hmm. feel like is at this point still incredibly overrated. We're going to have to see in terms of him coming into a Bruce Arian style offense, because this is going to be something, I don't know what Bruce Arians is going to do. I don't know if he's going to kind of adjust because he knows that Tom Brady's 43 um, and probably doesn't have the arm to, you know, throw the ball 30 yards downfield every play like, you know, Jameis Winston did. Not saying that Jameis was, you know, the guy that they should have stuck with by any means, but, you know, Tom's obviously double the age of Jameis. But, you know, I like Tampa Bay. Um, I'm, I'm not sold on the fact that Gronk's going to be great. I think that that's yeah, the stupidest either. take. I, I think that's the – first of all, okay, let me complain to you about Madden real quick. <laughs> all right, I'm all here. You can lay down <laughs> because, on the couch too and I'll get you some tissues while you do that. Yeah, so Madden, I mean, they've been – I can say shit on them. They've been shit. <laughs> they've, been, they've been shit for the last, you know, eight years and they focus on the names and they see Gronk come back and they think that the 13-year-olds are going to remember him and it's all great and they make him a 96. They make him the best tight end of the game after he was a broken fragment of himself the last year that he played. His back doesn't work. His, yeah. I don't get it. So, I actually didn't know uh, he was a 96. I thought that Kittle and Kelsey were ahead of him. Uh, oh, he's the third best tight end. I'm sorry. Kittle is a 98, I think, or 99. Kelsey is a 97 or 98. Then Gronk is the third best. Ahead of Zach Ertz, ahead of Austin Hooper, ahead of Hunter Henry. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, so I'm looking right. We got Kittle 98, Kelsey 97, Gronk 95. Yeah. 95, and Zach Ertz okay. 90. 90, you know, I, I think yeah. Ertz around 90 is probably appropriate, but Gronk should probably That's be fine. 87. Gronk should be like a 73. <laughs> wow. All right. So now we're like putting him in like Zach Diossi when he was listed as a tight end because they don't have a long snapper. Because like they don't low. have a long snapper. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, realistically, he should probably be, you know, a lower tier 80 because okay. the, la- the last year that he played was he looked bad. He was hurt all the time. Still probably going to be hurt all the time. You know, he's going to have OJ Howard to take the load off of him and Cameron Bright. But I don't believe in Gronk, you know, rejuvenating this offense in any way, shape, or form. He'll have a, a few touchdowns just because Tom's there, and he came there because Tom's there. But in terms of him, you know, changing the dynamic of this offense, he's probably going to be the fifth or sixth option in that offense behind Godwin, behind Evans, behind Howard, Brait. I think that Ronald Jones is going to have a solid year um, with this whole new offense because they're going to focus more on the passing game. That'll open up holes for him. We'll see what Kayshawn Vaughn does. That was kind of a weird pick to me. To Shady McCoy I'm not really big on. Uh, Shady, I think he's just kind of – he's ring-chasing at this point, which, I mean, God bless him, more power to him. Yeah. See, if he can get another, see if he can get another one, why not? Um, but I don't see him being too much of a factor. I think that was more of, you know, a glorified name pick just because, oh, Sean McCoy's in Tampa Bay now. Um, I don't yeah, think that's it's really It's like the beat. Brooklyn Nets in, like, what, 2012? Kevin Garnett and Paul yeah, Pierce? Yeah, Paul like... Pierce, yeah. Very similar to that. I agree with that. Uh, so what's more likely then? Um, Gronk has – the best season out of any tight end in football this year, or we finally get a fucking long snapper position in Madden. Fuck me. These are good. Um, I'll say the long snapper position in Madden. Yeah. It, it, dude, it's yeah. overdue. I'm tired of having like a fourth string tight end. Who's like a 44 yeah. overall. Uh huh. I'm tired of going in and saying, Oh, Cameron Canada. He's not my tight end. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be snapping to my punter back there. So no, um, I think Gronk, if I had to have an over-under on his receptions this year, I'd probably put it around like 40. I think well, 40 low. is a fair number. You know, Gronk would want yeah. to put it at about 69. Uh-huh, nice. 
Yeah, I agree with that. So, no, I think that there's far too many mouths to feed in this offense. I think he's there to contribute in some sort of way, have fun playing football with Tom, and contribute in any way again. I don't hate Gronk by any means. I'm not trying to make this a hate Gronk speech because I like Gronk. No, I'll be honest, I do hate Gronk a little bit. I mean, I understand that. I mean, you're a Giants fan, so there's, you know, some history there. So it's not even that necessarily as it is from my two experiences with him at Radio Row. Okay. Um, So I've been in the last three. New England obviously was in two of them. And Mm -hmm. I found with him on media night, he was the – like, I went and I wanted to ask him a football question, which dumbed me to begin with. Yeah. Um, He gives no answer to any male reporters, but the – Five eight blonde in stilettos asking uh, him a question about uh, a cruise ship uh, when the Super Bowl is six days away. He'll talk mm-hmm. to her for thirty minutes one on one while there's a crowd of people around him. And that shocks you because no, it, do- it doesn't. <laughs> I can't actually. The second time around, I didn't even ask him a football question because I was like, "All right, he doesn't want to talk about football. It's fair." So ahead of the game against the Rams, I asked him a question about possibly uh, getting involved in the WWE. He which he ended it, up doing. Which he ended up doing, right? He denied it, said, I- I'm, I'm here to talk about football. I'm here to talk about football, and that's it. I just wanted to, like, repeated himself four times. Like, I didn't understand what the fuck he said the first two. Right. And, uh, and then the blonde walks up and asks him a question that has nothing to do with football, naturally, and he answers mm-hmm. it. Doesn't really surprise me in the least. Um, Gronk seems to be the type who is infatuated with 5A blondes and stilettos. Yeah. Um, which are, aren't we all, to an extent? I mean, yeah. Let's not pretend that we're not men. <laughs> Um, <laughs> first, okay. I actually want to plug this because this is something that I've been advocating for, for a little bit. I didn't expect to get here. Um, if, you know, if there's any way anybody listening can just go and, you know, go look at the hashtag support women in sports, make sure that, that they, I saw yeah, your, your list. That was a great list. Yeah. Go out and just, you know, there's a lot of women who do fucking awesome stuff. Um, Gavin Jordan, who do a lot of stuff for Sportscaster, I talk to them a great deal. They're one, they're hilarious. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're having the success, the success that they have because they're great at what they do. Jordan had that, that, uh, bro, bro, bro thing that went viral, which yeah. was fucking hilarious. And I still think of different ones today. I did one before I came on the show. I tweeted, I was like, Bryce Harper changes his number to 69. Nice. I saw Harper. that. I and saw I, that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just stuff like that. They're great at what Laura Oakland from Fox. She's incredible. Um, Carolina Teague, ESPN San Antonio, she's great at what she does. She just got a new morning show. So there's a lot of women in sports doing great things. And if you get the chance to just go out and you know support one, support multiple, see what they're doing, um, read their work, listen to their work, it's great to do. Um, there's just a lot of, especially on Twitter, you know, if I follow a lot of them. Yeah, and, Kirsten you know, Crow is another one, by the way. I don't know if you know great, Kirsten, but yeah, she does the uh, she does the voiceovers for my breaks and for my intro on this uh, on this show. She's Very another nice. incredible one. Yeah, and it's just a pain in the ass to see, you know, when one of these, you know, females tweets and then you go into the comments and it's, you know, Trump fan 420 <laughs> sliding into the comments saying, you know, go make me a sandwich or something. And it just pisses me off to no yeah. extent because, you know, it's 2020 and we still have to deal with this shit in terms of, you know, just not getting, you know, the equal respect that they deserve. There's a lot of them out there who do great work. So if you can support them, that's my little spiel for supporting women in sports of the day. No, I, I love it. And on top of the yeah. you know, whole, like, make me a sandwich thing, what, what even I think might annoy them worse, because that's, that's just pure ignorance. And like, if anyone has oh, yeah. the nerve to tweet that, you're just an asshole and you're probably yeah. nowhere in life to begin with. But exactly. 
it, it's the whole like you know say I'll, I'll use my Mets right say a girl says she's a Mets fan it's the whole well then go name me the 1991 starting rotation yes yes like, oh my god that pisses me off so that, damn that's much. gotta end right I mean yeah look, I may be able to tell you how many stolen bases Jose Reyes had in 2006 but <laughs> come on I'm, I'm not even telling you the 91 starting rotation yeah, I saw – oh, who was it? I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was really funny. It was one of, you know, I think one of the aforementioned names that I talked about. And <laughs> she was, like, talking about, oh, I work in sports. Oh, yeah, name of the blood type of the 1913 Heisman winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hysterical. Yeah, like, shit like that does piss me off. And don't get me wrong. I can tell you almost any NFL stat that you want to know, and I'm pretty proud of that. But just because someone else can't doesn't mean that they aren't good at what they do. And I think that women get singled out a lot because of that. And specifically because um, we have a lot of stupid men in this world who want to see it stay a quote unquote men's game. And that's just not how it is. And if you know, you don't like it, you can fuck off and, you know, go do something else. We don't give two shits what you decide to do. We're going to go on and, you know, continue being great with or without you. So um, I love it. Yeah. I love it. You're spot on. You you are spot on. And uh, you know, you did mention Trump fan 420 right now. (laughs) college football is uh not looking good and yeah we've got this orangutan in the white house who is tweeting more about college football in the past week than he is the fucking pandemic that's going on right now yeah what's your reaction uh, to that uh, to trump's role in college football you had a great was it you tweet uh, i don't know if you tweeted or retweeted something about laura ingram who would never tell trump stick to politics yeah yeah i did say that so and this is something that I really don't get to delve into too much because, um, I mean, you follow me on Twitter, you know, I tweet a solid amount about, you know, Orangey in the White House and how much I have disdain for him. That said, you know, whenever we do this, I never really delve into this world. So it's kind of fun to be able to do. Um, yeah, I think who the hell, Laura Ingram had Lou Holtz on her show. Yeah, and Lou Holtz said uh, when we stormed Normandy that we knew we were going to have casualties. <laughs> how bad It just blows crazy. my mind. It just blows my mind the utter stupidity that lies in some people. And, I mean, the white fascist news network known as Fox News is – they're the greatest at this. You know, they'll bitch and moan about LeBron James and tell him to shut up and dribble, and then they'll bring on um, they'll bring on Lou Holtz, who is the word lisp come to life. And, <laughs> and he'll – just spew this dumb bullshit about if you're comparing a college football season to world war fucking two in the first place, maybe we shouldn't play football, Lou. (laughs) And here's the thing. No, I love Trevor Lawrence. I love Justin Fields. I love that they're saying that we want to play. If they do want to play and their conferences decide to let them play by all means, I'm all for them playing. Hell, even if schools want to break away and play in other conferences, if this is the choice of the players, I'm all for it. I'm not going to sit here, though, and pretend that I know dick about this pandemic because I don't. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try to say that, you know, make their choices for them. I'm also not going to go on a Fox News show and say, well, we knew that some people were going to die when we were fighting for freedom. So I think that the same should go into effect for college football, because what the fuck will I do with my Saturdays if it doesn't? Yeah, exactly. So because then they'll have to go is, fucking pick pumpkins with their wives on a Saturday afternoon instead of uh, gambling on Kentucky versus Vanderbilt. Exactly. And I'm not going to pretend I'm exempt from that. But, <laughs> you know, it just pisses me off the hypocrisy when it comes to politics and sports, because as long as it fits their narrative, they'll run with it. But God forbid somebody come out and say Black Lives Matter and then we'll have Cucker Tarlson come up on his show. 
and talk about you know how oh all lives matter well okay all lives matter but you hate gay people you 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 don't want people to wear hijabs because apparently that's you know a sign of a muslim takeover you you gotta remember when you're dealing with tucker carlson it's all christian white republican lives matter correct yeah as long as you you know think the way i do believe in the same god i do your life your life matters but you know if you like someone of the same sex that's love that i can't fathom Nope. Uh, if, if you're a darker shade skin color than me, eh, I don't know if your life matters that much. Um, and I think, you know, Nick Wright is a guy who, I when, love it comes Nick to Wright. His, when it comes to his opinions on LeBron, he's a psychopath. I love <laughs> Nick Wright. I love Nick Wright to death. But when it comes to this shit, he fucking gets it. Yeah, And he gets it well, I mean, so you know, damn good. Look at his household. You know, last summer I was working at Sirius and I was lucky enough to get to know Nick a little bit and then see him again mm-hmm. down in Miami at Radio Row and, just yeah. talk to him. You know, he's, I agree. I disagree with more of his takes than I think anyone else in the business, but on this yeah. stuff, he's always spot on. And you look at his and home, his kids, his wife, Yes. you know, you, you get it. And he did, a, he's done a bunch of anthem spiels and he's done one that was really good somewhat recently. Um, it was involving the anthem. And uh, he said that, you know, let's think about if, when Colin Kaepernick was asked if he took a knee, if he had come out and said, you know, when soldiers come home to this country, they're not giving adequate access to job. They're not giving adequate access to healthcare. So until that changes, I'm going to kneel for them until they get, you know, what they deserve. Would anybody in their right mind be pissed off at this? Or are they pissed off at the reason? No, of because course. exactly. And, you know, in the back of their minds are saying, come on, like we stopped segregating you, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we gave you the right to vote at one point. You know, you, we, we live among you. It's not that bad. I think they're more pissed off at the reason that players are kneeling. They don't give a shit about kneeling in the first place. They're just mad because this is a conversation that's had to be had for so long. And, and I want Shannon Sharp said something like this too, because he said that, you know, it's like we started at the one and we got to the 50. We've come a long way in this country, but fuck me. Do we have a long way to go? Yeah. He didn't say the fuck me part. That was, you know, my. Oh, well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on <laughs> Shannon on, on no, national television. No, 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 no. Yeah. So in terms of everything going on with Trump and the pandemic and kneeling and Dave Portney interviewing him, quote unquote, interviewing him. It's just, I mean, I will lot. say in respect to Portnoy, that was a total marketing move. Like, the fact oh, that he got in the White House. Fuck me, like, yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, exactly. he wasn't going to ask him the hard questions. Those were all softballs. Oh, no. But that was for you, Portnoy, not for Trump. You, you ever see the, the movie The Interview with. Of course. Uh, yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of that. Whenever he's sitting down, he's like, with Kim Jong un, he's like, do you do karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> it, remind, it reminded me a lot of that where it yeah, was. Yeah, when, just, when they're right. driving in North Korea and they got the fake grocery store. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that little fat kid. Hey, little fatty. <laughs> that, <laughs> that has to be, I would say, on a top five list of movies to watch baked. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, if you... Like, super bad. I laughed I laugh my ass off to that movie sober, much less if, you know, I had a little bit of, of cannabis in of, my of system. Yeah, a little bit, which, I mean... Which, which is I always a good... I, t- I mean... Look, you know, you, I haven't partaken in that in quite a while. Like, I mean, like I'll do, I'll smoke occasionally. I'm not going to pretend I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. It's legal now. There's nothing better than just like laughing uncontrollably and just being relaxed and just doing that type of thing. I don't know how we got from coronavirus to CBD, but it, it's been a fun little segue. But oh my God, I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the softball questions that got us there. And 
Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we went from Portnoy interviewing Trump to the best movies to watch high. Yeah, yeah, we did. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm nothing at all that. wrong with that. No, not at all. But, you know, the interview is fucking hilarious. I mean, James Franco, he he's so tough for me to take seriously because, like, my first memory of him is Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yep. That's the first memory I have of him, too, and I can't rewatch it without just being like, really? Like, and, and, I, I, I can't watch that movie, like, him, like, in love with MJ, and I'm like, this is the guy from Spring Breakers? Like, actually. Yeah, like, oh, and another character from that movie, um, Willem Dafoe. I love him in Boondock Saints, too. He's fucking yeah. hysterical. That's, like, I don't know how to describe Boondock Saints because it's obviously like an action, somewhat drama, somewhat thriller. Defoe is hysterical in his role as the cop in that movie. And like anytime I see Spider-Man now, I just think of Boondock Saints and that makes me laugh. So I think that that entire cat... Do you like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? You know, I I like the movies, but I don't like Tobey Maguire. I think he annoys me. He, he cries too much. I want to punch him. Like he has a punchable <laughs> face. He does. I think... Who are... Who are some people with the most punchable faces? Are, are we just, is this like in the world? Are we narrowing this to sports, to actors, or just like in the world? I think Gronk has a pretty punchable face. Gronk has a very punchable face, but you know you're going to be in a lot more pain. Yeah. Face. Somebody said that Pat McAfee had a pretty punchable face. Just because of all this stuff going on with Adam Cole. Which, you by know, the way, in terms of wrestling, the giant, the biggest of marketing ploys by wwe that is is cole the little guy who like got up in the middle of the interview and was like fuck you yes that is adam okay. cole yeah I, I i'm are you a wwe guy i'm not i have to i used to be um like i i mean growing up i think everybody was a wwe fan you know yeah, i never got into it once really never Dude, oh my god you are ugh, like was, was i like deprived two, was my childhood like lacking from 2005 to like 2009 2010 like every monday and friday night that was that was my thing oh i loved it yeah. I had like all the little, I had all the little belts. I kept up with everything. I thought it was real <laughs> and you know, it was great. You know what I think the problem is? You said 05 to 2010. I yeah. probably discovered porn around 06. So that's probably why I never really got onto the WWE. Well, let's see. In 06, I was, hold I was eight in 06. So I haven't quite discovered that <laughs> quite yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I was, I was eight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think we have another conversation to talk about your porn addiction at eight yeah, years exactly. old. Exactly, at eight years old. Yeah, I mean, fuck. Jesus. You know what happens yeah, when your parents no. don't love you? you? You don't watch WWE <laughs> instead. My parents used to not let me watch WWE. I remember when I first started, I started watching it at my friend's house, and I came home, and it was, like, on in my room one night. She's like, turn it off. I was like, what the fuck you mean, turn it off? I'm seven years old. This is the greatest thing ever. You know, a lot of those guys have punchable faces. Yeah, they do. Yeah, you know who is a punchable face? Not him, but his brother. You wouldn't know his uh, – Zach Ryder? Right, he's Zach Ryder. Zach Ryder's got a solid punchable face. So I wasn't even thinking about him. His brother was my high school basketball coach. No shit. And he has a punchable face. That that's some solid material for two truths and a lie. Yeah. Oh, Zach Ryder's Zach Ryder's brother coached me in basketball. All right, you know it's funny. What I have right now is my two truths and a lie on Tinder. I'm gonna give them to you, and <laughs> I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if you can. Although, all right, you're, you're, gonna, you're probably going to have one of these easy. Um, okay. All right, so two truths and a lie. All right. I have lived in Canada for four months. Okay. I partied at Drake's house. I have interviewed Tom Brady. Those are three really solid ones. I feel like the Drake party is too much of an obvious lie for it to be the lie, so I'm going to say that's true. I'm going to say you haven't interviewed Tom Brady. Okay. 
So I feel like you were going reverse psychology there because you're like, oh, he's been to Radio Row. Exactly. So everyone's yeah. going to think he's interviewed Tom Brady, but he hasn't. No, I have twice. Oh, shit. Okay. Never partied at Drake's house. Ah, but, damn it. But was invited. Really? That's the, convers- that, that's the conversation piece right there is that, no, I never partied there, but I was invited and actually turned it down. Who are you in? By Drake or somebody else? Uh, by one of Drake's side pieces who uh, was friends with my <laughs> ex. Yeah. Drake was, so, so my ex was in college, right? Um, okay. She, she lives in Toronto. Uh, okay. Went to school with, was friends with a girl who was like 19 years old and was okay. seeing Drake. And uh, Drake invited us to go to, uh, well, she invited us to his house mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. Because I was up there. I was in Miami all week and then flew up Saturday from Miami uh, to Buffalo to go back to school and figured, mm-hmm. hey, I'm already in Buffalo. I'm already halfway. Why not get on a Greyhound and go see my girlfriend? Mm-hmm. So I'm up in Toronto for the Super Bowl. And we bought tickets to go to a party at Gretzky's bar with her dad. It was, that was the night I met her dad. And she was like mm-hmm. ready to cancel and go to this party at Drake's. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm not, I was like, we're not canceling this. Like, I, I'm supposed to yeah. meet your dad. Like, that'd be a bad luck yeah a lot of fun but a bad luck yeah and uh, yeah, so yeah very solid ones i can't remember which ones I... see i don't remember if i ever put two truths and a lie on tinder i think i did on hinge when i okay. had that still yeah so all right so out of the big three rank them tinder hinge bumble <sighs> tinder bumble hinge really yeah, I mean, Bumble's cool just because, like, they have to talk to you first, and that's the one thing I really liked about it. Yeah, I mean, but, like, everyone likes that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I met my girlfriend now of a year and a half on Tinder, so... Oh, you did? So you actually had I a did. successful Tinder? I have, I, have a, I have a Tinder success story, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, and I, it was cool. I met Here's my girlfriend in a nightclub. That's... Okay, so that nightclub not, success story. Was not expecting to meet a girlfriend there. Exactly, that's yeah. the thing that I was saying, too, because, like... You know, I'm a college student. I have Tinder. You can assume the things that I've done. Um, here's the thing that I, I super liked her. So that was what it all came ballsy. back to. Like, it'll yeah, get it you noticed, but... Very ballsy, yeah. Because so, that, that always gets you noticed, but is it like, you know, in her mind, you're like, well, it, that all depends on the girl, right? Because that could be like, yeah. oh, that's sweet. He must really want to meet me. Or, or he, like, wants my socks. desperate loser. <laughs> <laughs> or he's going to, like, raid my sock drawer and leave. Yeah. Is, so, that another, is that another casual, like, Liv Coward throw-in right there with the socks? Yeah, that was a little little hint of... <laughs> but no, and then I went and picked her up. She came over. Had uh, How did I do this? So for, like, the first couple weeks, like, obviously I got her Snapchat. We didn't talk that much. One day we started to for some reason. And um, I'm the biggest Halloween nerd. I love the movies Halloween, the Michael Myers and oh. everything. I love those movies. Well, you can't be the biggest because I have a cousin who she made a poor choice one night. Love her to death. She's one of my favorite people. Got a uh, Mike Myers tat what? covering her shoulder blade. Covering? Like not like just small, like... Her entire left shoulder. Mike Myers. Wow. His face. That's dope. That's dope. I, I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's very cool. But that's how I got her to come over. Just because, like, I said that I was watching one of those movies. Keep in mind, it's February at this point. <laughs> and I'm so watching... So you're that guy. You're right. Yes, I'm... I'm yeah I love those so I was I had one on and she asked what I was doing I was like oh I'm watching Halloween she's like oh what's that and I was like you've never seen this and so I was like okay come over tomorrow and we'll watch one and that's how I got her to come over so I picked her up the next day and oh man I'm about to get sappy on you 
Yeah, um, yeah we, we, we love a good sap story on Star Oh, we do. Sports talk. So, so I took her back to my apartment, and um, like I took up. Here's the, I dress like the Dollar General version of Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had like my ripped up jean jacket, my like ripped up white jeans on, my white Vans, pink hoodie underneath because it was winter time and it snows a lot here. You know when it gets cold. Yeah. So um i take off you know my jacket hanging up and she's just like in um one of our like school hoodies and leggings and i turn around she's like standing there all shy and i was like wow i love you i didn't say that out loud but i was like you are you're gonna fuck my life up <laughs> wow first and, uh, this is the first night you're thinking this this is the f- this is the first 10 minutes i've met her and like i turn around from hanging up my jacket and like she just smiles at me i was like wow You've got a pretty smile. And then, like, we laid down. We didn't do anything, like... Uh, well, all right, well, I love, I love the disclaimer here, because as soon as you get into yeah. it, we laid down, the disclaimer follows. No, no, no. I was like, we didn't do anything like that for, like, the first two and a half, three weeks that, you know, we were together, just because I didn't want to be that Tinder dick who yeah. was in it for just that. And a year and a half later, we're still together, and it's been pretty good. So there's my Tinder success story. Wow. Yeah. That's now I think my best Tinder story is sophomore year of college. I was uh, dating this girl who lived like two doors down from me. Mm -hmm. So like my closest girlfriend was her roommate. Yeah. And so she kind of orchestrated the whole thing like casually, like she was like, Oh, take her to your baseball formal. And then so, you know, like see baseball formal. So took her to my baseball formal, right? Walk in captain of the team. So everyone, like as soon as we walk in is like, just, you know, grilling me. Like, oh, only one date? We thought we were taking three girls this year. You know, like, all that shit. <laughs> and that goes well. We probably talked close to, like, three months, whatever. Then it disappears. So I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me mm-hmm. get on Tinder, get a little rebound action. And uh, there you go. two weeks later, I have mono. So that, that's, that's my big Tinder. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and, and so what part of Pennsylvania are you from? Are you Pittsburgh or are you outside it? Yeah, so I live – so I go to Slippery Rock University. It's about 45 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. All right, so this girl went to Pitt Brad. Okay, Pitt Bradford, I remember that, yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an- enough said. That's how I got mono. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. I haven't been to Pitt Brad. I have a few friends who went to Pitt Brad. Yeah, so. uh, you're, not, you're not missing much outside of, like, disease. Yeah. So, wait, where did you go, then, if you were from that so Buffalo area? St. Bonaventure. Same, I've heard of St. Bonaventure, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, like, 20 minutes from Bradford, Pennsylvania. Like, okay, right, cool, right cool. on that border. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, like, that New York, PA border area. So, all right, yeah. that's cool. Or it's so, just like more like Alabama than it is New York or Pennsylvania. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, very different Tinder stories, very different experiences to say the least. But I don't know how you put Hinge third. To me, Hinge is like the best. Oh, you like Hinge? I, See, I, I get the most bites I, on Hinge. I think that I just didn't really have Hinge for very long. So I don't really have a lot of experience with it. Okay. Um, it was after, so, well, my girlfriend now, we had, broken up at one point for a little bit and so i was going through a phase in which i just re-downloaded everything to cope with my crippling depression that is that, that is the phase that i'm in right now right i am like 18 days removed from the breakup ah so right me, now bro. so right now i'm in that like all right let me just get ah. on tinder hinge bumble and then when september rolls around and it's cuffing season she's probably going to call me back yeah so all right here's i'm going to ask you this do you see any chance that you get back with her Oh, you know, this one's tough. Um, full disclosure. Well, who broke it off? Did so you break did. it off or did she? she? Okay, I figured. Okay. So, f- oh, oh she cheated off. Too. No, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. I said, you know, the fact that you're, you know, coping that way and said that you were sad, I assume that maybe she had ended it. So yeah. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. No, no, okay. no. Well, thank you. Um, yes. No, no, no. So full, no, I, I don't know what I was about to say that you thought you heard she cheated. She did not cheat. Okay. I thought you no. said she cheated. I was like, oh shit. I'm no, no, sorry. No, no, no. no. Uh, so, so this is the awkward part, full disclosure. Um, her dad is uh, still a friend of mine and still listens to the show. So, oh shit. But yeah, no. As, uh, so I gave it about a week uh, afterwards after she ended it. Okay. And then, cause I went like through like four or five days of like not getting out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. Like, thank God I just got a cable box in my bedroom like a month ago <laughs> because, yeah, I was not getting out of bed. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, I can't be angry at her. I can't blame her. Like, whatever. She's, you know, she needs to get in a better place herself and she can't do that with me. You know, I made those like excuses, right? Mm-hmm. And then like a week later, I'm like, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck was, her. <laughs> it went from like pure sadness to like anger. Yeah. And then I uh, get that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do So I started downloading like, cougars meat uh like- oh my <laughs> yes oh my god i did that too you did that oh on my the cougar app all right dude yeah. that was always on my bucket list was to get a milf and i just never have no you mostly know because yeah most oldest because for me is 30 in- yeah 30 i would i would go older I, the oldest for me probably like 50 <laughs> oh no, no no i'm saying oldest that i've actually <laughs> oh okay okay no i no. haven't had i haven't had you know the oldest that's been older than me is like two years so like 23 24 okay yeah no for me it was uh it was actually in atlanta at the super bowl last year um uh one of the oh. models one of the models working for old spice what <laughs> yeah oh it was f- f- fucking phenomenal uh <laughs> yeah she's like the girl like if you want a picture with travis kelsey like she's the one who's like all right the line's over here hi hi i'm not really always you're making me feel like i haven't lived enough yet <laughs> well, that's why you, we're going to, you're coming to the Super Bowl next year, right? Taking uh, a, yeah, that's, that's definitely the plan, at least. So, you know, you probably, uh, I, I don't know, you know, I could be just burying myself here. I'm going to hope that we have the same problem. Do people mm. mistake your confidence at times for like abrasive cockiness? Being, being an asshole? Yeah, I was yeah. Okay, perfect. And, and do people the, also like look at you and also just assume off the bat when they meet you like Trump supporter? I've never gotten that. No, I've gotten that. Like, and You've gotten that, has that? To, that has to do with like the cockiness thing. Like they just like a lot of people, like when they, like my girlfriend, when she first met me, she actually asked me like that night if I was a Trump supporter. And she said like, she mm-hmm. would have walked away if I said yes, which, you know, I don't kinda, blame her. Kind of wish I said yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't even touched on Everson Griffin going to Dallas yet. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, we were supposed, I think I said we were going to get to that at, uh, at about 1130 and what is it? 1220 yeah. while we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, what are your thoughts on Everson Griffin going to Dallas? Well, it was very much like anticipated. He was going to go to Philadelphia. That was what all the reports were about. Um, I got on Fox Sports Shoals down in Alabama and they were asking about Everson Griffin possibly going to Tennessee. And I was like, I wouldn't get your hopes up about that. You know, he wants to be an Eagle. That's probably where he's going to end up here and you know, any day now. And I guess the word was that actually the Vikings and the Seahawks ended up being the top two bidders kind of going back and forth between them. And then Dallas kind of came out of nowhere, gave him a deal that he liked and signed. So um, losing Robert Quinn hurt them. Everson Griffin's an upgrade from Robert Quinn. So having Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin on the same defensive line with Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch there, that's going to make them maybe the best front seven in football. Yeah, I mean, look, Griffin and Lawrence, the past two seasons, what was the number, 29 sacks combined the past two seasons? I mean, those guys yeah. are, you know, and that's why, like, you mentioned before, Dallas's secondary is a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. But if the front seven stays healthy, you know, if guys like Van Der Esch stay on the field, their yeah. D-line alone, 
you look at some of the D lines that have been to the Super Bowl from the NFC the past few years, mm-hmm. Eagles, yep. Niners, you know, the Rams, obviously they had, they have the best D line. They had, in football. Yeah. They had Donald. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you know, they had pieces around him, obviously like Fowler and whatnot, but the Eagles mm-hmm. and Niners in particular, and, and you know, I always talk about like the 07 giants that won Super Bowl 42. When you have depth mm-hmm. at the D line, that is one of the most valuable positions to maybe not have superstars at, but just have depth, like six guys that could start anywhere. Yep. And, uh, and, and to me, that's what's going to make Dallas. I hate saying this because I fucking hate the Cowboys. But <laughs> I think they're running away with the division. That's my call for the NFC East. And I think mm. that they are a legit Super Bowl contender. I don't think they'll get there, but I think they're finally a contender and not just a playoff team. Yeah, I have them as the last wild card spot. You know, I think I might have to give them another win after that. Obviously, I didn't expect Everson Griffin to go there. I had them going in at nine and seven. I think that they could probably finesse another win, get to ten and six, and be either the sixth or even the fifth spot, depending on how seeding works. But um, I think they'll be a playoff team. I just haven't seen enough from Dak Prescott to prove to me that he can win big games. He's great at kicking the asses of the Giants in Washington, but when it comes to yeah. big time games, um, he lost twelve ten to Teddy Bridgewater. And That's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. Um, I think that he need, he has a lot to prove. Jared, yeah. before before I let you go, um, as, as you're answering the uh, the misses again. Yeah, I'm don't worry. Here, I'll look <laughs> you in the face here in a minute. My, no, no, he's you're good. getting impatient. <laughs> you're good. Before I let you go, though, Julian Edelman. Uh, yeah. I think we both have a very similar take on him. Why is he nowhere near a Hall of Famer? Um, let's see. Let's look at his numbers. I mean, the last time I checked, he had a little bit over 500 career catches Lavernius Close has 300 more than him um I think Brent Brandon Lloyd has more yards receiving than he does he has I think 32 33 career touchdown receptions that ranks God only knows where all time Chris Collinsworth has more than him <laughs> so and don't get me wrong I love Chris Collinsworth he's a far better analyst than I mean he's a solid receiver but he's a better analyst all right um, so I'm trying to find Edelman right now on this all-time list. yeah pull that up yeah go uh, pro football reference I have where are you Julian uh yeah he, exactly is he like low f- no he's got to be in the 600s i guess no 500s, oh, oh, 599 yep all right so let's see who has more receptions than him well emmanuel yeah, sanders just, is there you right go in front of him. uh i wouldn't say he's a hall of famer tj hoosman zada that's got to be like the best name on that list yep um michael crabtree in the same amount of years has like what 38 more like i don't even michael crabtree, crabtree has more than him like, he's got 38 more, same amount of years. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm a jerk. I don't consider Crabtree good. He's, like, mediocre to me. He was – Mediocre at best. He was a receiver in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lavernius Coles right there, like, has 100 more. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking through this list, this is, like – are you kidding? Like, would you consider – I mean, I love him, and maybe I'm biased, but, like, Roddy White, is he a Hall of Famer to you? Roddy White is not a Hall of Famer. I think he's, like, in terms of – tiers like there's hall of fame tier one tier two i think he was a solid you know between tier two and tier one at one point in his career he was a top five-ish receiver for like yeah. a year or two i mean look i don't think wes welker what do you think about him wes well i even talk about that in the video i say wes welker was a better receiver than julian Edelman. i don't think he's getting into the hall of fame yeah like uh, to me there's no doubt i agree wes welker's 22nd all time 903 receptions like to yeah. me there's no doubt wes is better than edelman like that's not up for debate Mm-hmm. you know i don't know if west is a hall of famer i think you can make the argument for him he, he doesn't have a ring that is like no. a wild thing about him that he was there for both did he not win, did did he not win that one with denver uh no no he got to denver just in time to lose to seattle and then he left denver uh before they won it 
Really? Okay. Yeah. So Welker, like, because I, I remember I was like looking at because I was trying to interview him this year at uh at because he's like a wide receivers coach for the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit! Like this would have been Wes Welker's first Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, even though Edelman has like three rings and Welker doesn't have any, I think Welker is definitely a better uh, better career than Edelman. I think Chad Johnson's a far better receiver than oh, Julian Edelman is. Far he's, better. He's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. I'd I'd like to see some consideration there. His peak was like his peak. Elite. It was incredible. His yeah. route running was among the best I've ever seen. He had a five year stretch where he was a Pro Bowler every year led the AFC in yards or receptions, you know, flip-flopping years. So I think that his peak was very good. I just don't know if it was long enough to get him in. I would love to see him go in, yeah. but uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's gone up. It would be great to see him get in, though. Yeah, no, I definitely would. So Julian Edelman, not a Hall of Famer, not even close. And uh, I guess this episode is going to be up in like two hours. You have to listen to WAP before I post this. <sighs> Man, see, here's the thing. <laughs> I got to do my second trial game for Pro Football Focus – don't tell anybody I said that. Okay. I guess I just fucking did. Well, you, you just said <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I forgot. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm trying to get a, a little bit of a gig there. So that's what I'll be doing. There you go. Um, but we'll see. I'll say that much. I just, I don't like Cardi B. I, I don't, don't either, like but it's Stallion. three minutes that like, you'll thank me. I'll, I'll listen to it once. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll listen to it once. And if I like it, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you about it. I'm not going to say, I right, fucking sign me out. Uh, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. But yeah, if, if, the, if like the, the little hairs in the back of your neck don't stand up when Megan the Stallion <laughs> comes in with her first verse, like <laughs> then you might be broken. Like yeah, when, she, when right. she comes in talking like gobble me, swallow me. Like if, if at that point you're not like, Oh, Whoa. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would let her do both of those, but no, she's that's telling the, you to do it to her, though. In this, that's the whole. Oh. Was, the whole song is about eating pussy. I mean, I figured as much. Yeah, I mean, like it's just I don't. Cardi B's just so stupid. <laughs> oh, I, I can't stand, and I think she's gross. Truthfully. Yeah, yeah, like, very. I, I can't stand her. That's yeah. that song will have you feeling some kind of way. Damn it! All right, <laughs> I I promise you, I will listen to it. I'll, I'll give you that. Jared Bailey, make sure you check out his pod. It's the Laces Out Pod. Also, check him out at NFL on Twitter. Jarrett, thanks for joining the show. Hey, buddy. Had a lot of fun. We'll definitely have to do this again. This is one of the more unique pods I've been on. <laughs> Absolutely. When we come back, it's time for my final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. What a great spot right there from my guy, Jarrett Bailey. Always a blast talking to him. Look, we alluded to it a little bit. My final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is all about the life-changing song of the past week that is WAP. Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion's Wet Ass Pussy. It is amazing to me how polarizing this song has become in a week. Is it vile? Absolutely. Is it a song that I think you should be listening to in front of eight-year-olds? Of course not. But the fact that this song has gotten so many people's panties in a bunch is the only reason, probably, why I think it's such a great song. 
Like, at the end of the day, no, this is not a musical masterpiece. But I just love how fucking outraged so many people are because of this one damn song. I mean, my favorite take, and there have been politicians speaking about it, saying that they have to pour holy water in their ears after listening to it. One guy said he accidentally heard it, and now he's got to pour holy water in his ears. I mean, give me a break, right? Grow up. Like, we've all listened to songs. I don't care what genre of music you like. If it's not church music, we've all listened to songs about sex. I mean, you could play rock and roll. There's a plenty of rock and roll songs that are about sex. Maybe they don't say wet-ass pussy every line, but the whole song is about doing blow and fucking like that is rock and roll like good like do you like motley crew like if you like motley crew you're pretty much listening to music about coke and sex like i mean that is rock and roll you want to talk about like other rap music i mean how many rap songs that are written and performed by men are out there like that are all about banging like that's pretty much rap music like it's about banging and Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion come out with this song. It's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, like, we've listened to a lot of songs about sucking dick. And, uh, you know what? It's our turn. Guess what? We like having our pussies eaten. And all of a sudden, this is, like, fucking outrageous. Like, I think it's just hilarious how many people have gotten so worked up about it, including a one very special Ben Shapiro. Let's take a listen to Ben's reading of the lyrics to WAP just the other day. Here are some of the lyrics. You ready? Whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass P word. Make that pullout game weak. Yeah, you effing with some wet ass P word. P word is female genitalia. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass P word. Give me everything you got for this wet ass P word. Beat it up N word. Catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this P word right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This P word is wet. Come take a dive. Is this is this real? Is this like really where we're at in 2020? I mean, this guy is such a joke. This is the same guy who pretty much just did himself in the second he tweeted that his doctor wife told him that a woman is never actually supposed to get wet down there. Is that... Is that really what she has to tell this guy to make him feel better about himself? I mean, Ben Shapiro just volunteered to the entire world that he has never made a woman wet. Forget making a woman wet. This is probably the same guy who, like, has to legit turn the lights off when he does it, keep a sheet between him, maybe, like, a couple strategically placed holes in there. Like, forget making one wet. Has this guy ever seen a pussy? I mean, outside of when he looks in the mirror, maybe? Uh, This guy, (laughs) I can't. I mean, look, realistically, like, this is probably the guy who, after he hooks up, like, hands a girl a sheet and is like, please rate my performance. Like, would you say the sex was satisfactory or unsatisfactory? And, like, the fact of the matter is when she puts down unsatisfactory, like, he's got that little fill-in line, like, please let Ben know where he can improve. Like, is three inches not enough? Would you like to try something other than missionary next time? Like, this guy. This guy definitely thinks that missionary is, like, the only position. Like, that's what you're dealing with here. Like, you're dealing with a guy who can't keep the lights on and who thinks missionary is the only position and probably lasts about 45 seconds. That, that's that's just what you're dealing with when, you, when you've got someone as absolutely batshit crazy as Ben Shapiro. Like, this guy is, I'm sorry, he's the joke of all jokes. 
right? Like, he thinks that he's in touch because he's only, what, like, 30 years old? Like, he's a pretty young guy. He thinks he's in touch with the youth in society, and he's got, like, this demented, like, twisted thought process that young people actually think like him and because i go to college campuses once in a while and i talk to the students who get no pussy and they're angry like me this guy's 36 years old like ben shapiro does not represent anyone ben shapiro represents like the school shooter demographic those are the kind of guys that are like this guy knows what he's talking about like p-word man what a fucking joke well big it's okay for biggie to say i got the meanest cleanest penis (laughs) But Meg the Stallion says, gobble me, swallow me, we got a problem. I mean, Shapiro's acting like Cardi B and Meg the Stallion are corrupting our youth. Like, they're the ones that the kids look up to. Meanwhile, honestly, I'd probably rather leave my kid with Cardi B for 30 minutes than Ben Shapiro for 10. Because then my kid will probably be walking around with a white hood after that meeting. I mean, give me a break. This guy's a loser. Uh, that's... That's all I got for today. Special thanks to Carter Raymond. Special thanks, Kirsten Crawl. And my guest this week, Jarrett Bailey, for keeping it real on the show. I can't take this seriously. Guys, go get some WAP this weekend and don't be like Ben Shapiro. That's it for Sorallo Sports Talk. I'm Joe Sorallo. Beat it up, nigga, catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top, I wanna ride. I do a kegel, one inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This pussy is wet, come take a dive. Tie me up like I'm surprised. That's role play, I wear disguise. I want you to park that big Mac truck right in this little garage. Make it cream, make me scream. I don't public, make a scene. I don't cook. I don't clean, but let Aye. me tell you, I got Aye. this ring. Gobble me, swallow me, drip down the side of me. Quit yeah. jump out for you, let it get inside of me. I tell them where to put it, never tell them where I'm about to be. I run down on them before I have a nigga running me. Talk your shit, bite your lip. Ask for a call while you ride that dick. You really ain't never got him fucking for a thing. He already made his mind up before he came. Now get your boots, hang your coat for this wet ass pussy. He bought a phone just for pictures of this wet ass pussy. Pay my tuition just to kiss me on this wet ass pussy. Now make it rain if you want to see. Some wet ass pussy. Look, I need a hard hit, I need a deep stroke, I need a henny drink, I need a weed smoke, not a garden snake, I need a king cobra with a hook in it, hopefully lean over. He got some money, then that's where I'm headed. Pussy A1, just like his credit. He got a beard, well, I'm tryna wet it. I let him taste it, now he diabetic. I don't wanna spit, I wanna go, I wanna gag, I wanna choke. I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging the back of my throat. My hacking is fire, but I need the sun, he is going and drying, it's coming outside, yeah. I run yeah. on that thing, now the cause behind me, I spit on his mic, and I heat tryna. Your honor, I'm a freak bitch, handcuffs, leashes Switch my wig, make him feel like he cheating Put him on his knees, give him something to believe in Never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beat In the food chain, I'm the one that eats you If he ate my ass, he's a bottom feeder Big D stand for big demeanor I can make you bust before I ever meet you If it don't hang, then he can't bang You can't hurt my feelings, but I like pain If he fuck me and ask who's is it When I ride the dick, I'ma spell my name Ah. Yeah, you fucking with some wet ass pussy. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass pussy. Give me everything you got for this wet ass pussy. Now from the top, make it drop. That's some wet ass pussy. Now get a bucket and a mop. That's some wet ass pussy. I'm talking wop, wop, wop. That's some wet ass pussy. Macaroni in a pot. That's some wet ass pussy. Huh. There's some hoes in this house, there's some hoes in this house, there's some
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.